You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts. Hi, this is Caitlin Martin. I'm Towner French. This is Patrick Martin. I'm Rodney Davis. This is Mark Alderman. This is Howard Schweitzer. Towner and Rodney, three of us this morning. Beautiful weekend here in the Northeast, spring on the horizon. When we were talking about what we were going to discuss this morning, Rodney, you said we should talk about Michigan. And being the obsessed Michigan fan that I was, I thought you were going to talk about Michigan getting blown out by Rutgers last night in basketball. But no, you were talking about politics because this is a political podcast. Yeah, not a sports or University of Michigan podcast, although some days it feels like it. Yeah. I mean, if we were talking uh, spring football, maybe, you know. Well, you know, the, the Fab Four don't exist anymore. So, you know, you can live in those glory days just like you're going to live in the glory days of Jim Harbaugh for decades to come on this podcast. Okay. That's, um, yeah. Uh, guilty. T.L. Um, Springsteen. There you go. So. So, guys, a big announcement this week in Washington. Minority leader Mitch McConnell announcing his planned resignation from that post in November. Lots of projection about who will take his spot. The leading names are seem to be the quote-unquote three Johns, Cornyn, Barrasso, and Thune. Rodney, even though you never made it to the upper chamber, what do you think about this? I think it's big news. I don't think it's unexpected. You look at where Senator McConnell is in his career and some of the health problems he's experienced recently, uh, plus the frustration with the Republican Party moving toward more of the MAGA wing uh, and getting more and more so in the Senate. Um, I, I don't think anybody I don't think anybody looks at this as a complete surprise. Uh, I think Mitch McConnell is going to go down in in our country's history as the best legislative strategist to ever serve in the U.S. Senate. I'm a big fan of Mitch McConnell. I, I think this is somebody who finds out where's what do we want to do and, and now how do we construct a path? And then he has a history of getting it done. Republicans, the MAGA wing, I don't understand why they hate Mitch McConnell so much when he is one of the sole reasons why we as Republicans have a majority on the Supreme Court. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, the three Johns are very capable. Uh, I, I'm, I know John Thune the best out of all three of them. Uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting battle, and I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on what you think happens next. Powder. Yeah, I mean, certainly not a surprise. I mean, I, I think the shock is that he made it this long to be able to announce by the end of the Congress. You know, if you think back to after his fall at the Conrad in D.C. and being in, in the hospital without us knowing any information whatsoever, I mean, the press knowing any information whatsoever on his health for like two months and then having the two episodes that were most notable where he he just checked out for a little bit uh, before coming back around. I mean, I still think it's sort of remarkable that that he's able uh, in in March of 2024 to announce that he's. He's stepping down from the majority leader post yet in November of 2024, but still planning on serving out uh, the rest of his term until 2027. So, you know, I think it's the writing's been on the wall for a while. The fact that he was able to hold on is critical because 
at that point, we know whether or not Trump has influence, a outstanding amount of influence on the majority leader decision. And I think what you're seeing right now between the three Johns, as you mentioned, certainly there's there's a number of potential dark horse candidates. There's going to be, you know, Rick Scott ran against McConnell last last time around. He's going to run against him this time around. He's not going to win. Tom Cotton uh, is enjoying the fact that his name is being thrown around a little bit. Um, you know, there's there's others that certainly want to run outside of the three Johns, but those are the ones that have the gravitas. And what you're seeing uh, right now is that Cornyn has announced and he's coming out strong because I think Cornyn and we have we have uh, we have a member of our team who's a Cornyn alum. So I don't want to get myself into trouble, too much trouble here. But, you know, Cornyn's coming out strong because I don't think he has as much of a hook as Barrasso uh, or Thune. And quite frankly, I think if Cornyn's unable to lock it up in the short term, then it's going to come down to whether or not Donald Trump is the president of the United States. And if he is, I think Barrasso will be majority leader or minority leader. Either way, I think probably majority leader. And if he doesn't, I think Thune will be majority leader. President Trump famously opposed Thune in his reelection bid, and it was McConnell who convinced Thune to keep running that there was something at the end of the road. And so uh, we never, never got a handle on exactly what those conversations were between Thune and McConnell, but uh, I infer something now. Why do you think it only matters if Trump wins? I mean, he lost the midterm during his presidency. He lost the election in 2020, notwithstanding his protestations to the contrary. Yeah. He essentially lost the midterm last time around yeah. with a bunch of handpicked failed Senate candidates that cost Republicans the majority in the Senate. Well, like... Why do I think that? And and yet he's still calling the shots. He's calling, he's telling Mike Johnson what to do. Well, as the presidential tanking, Yeah, but he, yes. But why but, do you think that's going to change if he loses? Because, Howard, what I'm hoping here, what I, I'm hoping against hope, What I, let me correct this. That's what I hope is going to happen. What I think might happen is it's going to come down to which one of them more forcefully speaks out about the fact that Biden stole yet another election away from Donald Trump as he's rallying America to uh, to oppose the stolen election where Joe Biden gets reelected and beats Donald Trump in November? Second stolen election in a row, shockingly. And for some reason, a bunch of Senate Republicans feel like they need to come out and in some way, shape or form, support Donald Trump in those in, in the second round of those claims. Who knows what they are? I mean, he won't have really Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani to go out there and, and do a lumberyard uh, press conference this time around. But, you know, I think that may be more likely what happens. But maybe Trump is too preoccupied with having another stolen election to care about who's going to be majority leader of the Senate. And maybe he doesn't even know that Republicans are going to win the Senate as he's losing the presidency. So, you know, it's, I don't know. There's what I, Rodney, what's going to happen? And what, what's that? your party going to get a backbone, Rodney? Oh, my party has a backbone all the time. It's just, unfortunately, you've got in the House right now a very slim majority. And you have individuals, uh, many of whom I served with, that are willing to kill any hostage just to get their political agenda moving forward. And they enjoy the fight. They enjoy the they enjoy the calamity of the party virtually collapsing. And if you look at what happened 
with the House and those never-ending speaker races, never underestimate what will happen in any political body when it comes to fatigue and also when it comes to personalities. So I, I agree, a scenario that, that Towner laid out with uh, John Barrasso is, is legitimate. It could legitimately happen. But I'd rather be a guy like John Thune, who's probably at least everybody's second choice. I, if if Trump loses again, I think his influence will go will wane very quickly. Uh, his influence would have waned quickly after January 6th in a Senate race. And never underestimate Republicans or Democrats in the U.S. Senate believing that they don't need anybody to tell them what to do. I don't, um, I don't know. 25 Did of them you, kneel at the altar. The magnification of the United States Senate. Well, I is mean, it, is that like the cornification of Madison Smith? <laughs> well, I mean, bowing at the altar of the senator. Uh, shockingly, hey, I mean, they both little, also have a financial interest. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I think John Cornyn do a great job, too. And and I, I certainly hope Madison listens to this so he knows we harassed him. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I I don't see it. I, I don't see if he loses, he's going to we're going to spend November through January listening to him complain about, you know, the fact that he won and he's getting screwed again. And so, then. Anybody that doesn't come out and support him, I mean, that's the that's going to be the backdrop for the Senate probably majority leader election. Listen, there's precedent for this, Howard. I mean, you being the, the token Democrat today as a globalist on this podcast, you know, Governor Stacey Abrams, she lost and then she said she didn't lose. I don't know where her inauguration was, but then when she lost again, she went quietly into this. Rodney, that's a... That's a bad comeback. <laughs> That's a great That's a comeback. Bad comeback. It's a horrible oh, comeback. It happened, and you guys, you know, you don't want to witness it. It's a it. horrible There's comeback. Comparable. They both denied that they lost she, elections. Come on. And I, I think Trump will walk away quietly. I mean, America does too. Come on, guys. Uh, well, well, both situations <laughs> are factually accurate. This is a perfect example of two wrongs don't make a right in this One hundred percent wrong. One wrong is a lot worse than the other. Than one I wrong, <laughs> one wrong is. We're talking about a sitting president trying trying himself to steal an election, and there's no comparison, in my opinion, no comparison, and that's the way I see it. And you can call me a token Democrat for purposes of this podcast. Alderman's Alderman's so happy right now. I call mm -hmm. myself, I call myself a, a token American for purposes. Of, of this podcast. No offense to you guys. There's Not directed at you, but I, I mean, come on. <laughs> Howard's wrapping himself in the flag on this one. I am because listen, I feel like, I mean, obviously I'm very good at going in all different directions based on whatever the moment calls for. <laughs> but no, you are, you are right in this. I, obviously I, the magnitude between the two is totally and utterly different. And the setup is because, you know, Stacey Abrams wasn't sitting governor and then tried to hold on, you know, essentially by force to the governor's mansion. I mean, we can't, you can't even. Like, Come on, guys. Te these, are even. these are all technicalities. I mean, I, that's, that's <laughs> all I get from you guys. That's, just, that's what's going to happen is he's going to protest his loss. Yep. And it's gonna, there's going to be a litmus test. 
Well, let me let me give you a personal perspective on this. I was there post January or post November 2020 between November and January 6th, appalled and and part of what happened on January 6th being evacuated off the floor. Um, there is no comparison, but for humor's sake, you know, I think we have to also put it in, not even for humor's sake, but in reality, we have to realize that that we got to call out election denialism on both parties. As somebody who voted to certify the election, as somebody who got a lot of pressure not to, uh, I do believe if Trump tries to do it the second time around, the media is not going to give him as much oxygen. And I think enough Americans are going to say enough's enough, just like Governor Abrams. Rodney, you know, we've never really, we've never really talked about this. We certainly haven't talked about it on the podcast. What was I like in those months when you were getting that, who was putting pressure on you? You don't have to name names, but give us some inside perspective on that. Like, what was it like to be a member of Congress at that point in time? Uh, there, for me, there, there really wasn't a lot of personal pressure coming from my constituents. I mean, there were a certain group that would, you know, depending on the issue, would think I wasn't MAGA enough one day and and then when Trump was in the White House, I always like to say, well, Trump told us to do it. Oh, well, then, then you're OK. Um, sorry, I called but, it. But specifically point. as it relates to certifying the results, like well, that's and you were ranking member of House admin, which has election oversight. Like what were you like? What was going on? Well, and I was a teller that day on January 6th in the well. So uh, it, it wasn't. What does that of, mean? What What does that mean for uh, our listeners? I, I was one announcing uh, one out of every four electoral count to the House of Representatives uh, sitting right in front of Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi during the election certification. But the pressure was coming within your own Republican conference. And you're dealing with on a personal level, some of my colleagues who were leading the this, the challenges to the certifications. So there was a lot of discussion within the House Republican conference. And we would have conference meetings where both sides would get up and present. And, and it was interesting because at the time, as publicly noted, you had Jim Jordan, Mike Johnson, arguing in our Republican conference meeting with Chip Roy, who voted to certify the election. And that's where I learned about a lot of what was happening in our courtrooms and what was happening through the process. And for the life of me, I just thought it would be another futile effort like I witnessed the Democrats do when they challenged Trump's certification in a few states in 2017. I, I didn't anticipate that uh, we would ever get to what America witnessed. And frankly, they before January 6th, I got briefed by the Capitol Police about the security uh, and the the what they expected the next day. And nothing that they briefed me on uh, would have led me to believe that I'd have to be evacuated off the House floor carrying one of my colleagues down the stairs because he was fighting cancer and couldn't walk down the stairs as you then hear gunshots uh, that were obviously uh, Ashley Babbitt being shot. So it, it's something you you learn uh, in the moment, I learned this with the baseball shooting, uh, time will slow down and you have to just through, you have to get from point A to point B for uh, just survival. And yeah. then you get a chance to take a step back and and you could, I haven't read Liz Cheney's book, but many who have have texted me the excerpts where she mentions me. And she talks a lot about what happened after we were evacuated. And it's a pretty good rundown. In, in terms of the election issues, I mean, what 
like what was the mood in in those conference meetings? Was was it a little what, what was the mood? Yeah, I mean it, it for for most people there it was like it was like oh here we go again we got you know one side yelling at the other side and and but but in this case they were pretty good discussions about what was happening in the courtroom and and it was you know it was an interesting dynamic um watching a chip roy and mike johnson and jim jordan debate and argue why this was something that needed to happen and then you get up and i, I call it the pontification microphones that stand in the middle of the aisles um, that are they're in each of these conference meetings and then you usually have the same group of people stand up and start talking and pontificating about what their opinion is um every you know i don't think anybody was surprised by those who said we are not going to vote to certify there's going to be problems and there are abnormalities in every election process so usually if there was an election issue being the republican ranking member of house administration I would be at the main microphone explaining what was happening, the concept, the issues, uh, what we need to watch out for. But in this case, I, I wasn't because it wasn't about what my committee was doing. It was about really what these individuals felt their constituents wanted them to do. Why did you ultimately go the way you did? Because I thought Donald Trump had a, a legal team of Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis that was a freaking clown show. They were over 60 in the court making their case. And at that point, I didn't see how anybody would vote not to certify. Got it. Well, I think <laughs> we'll see. I, God, I hope we don't wind up in the same spot, guys, because I, not I good for the country. Uh, terrible for the country. But I had this discussion last night with Jamie Raskin at GW. We we talked about impeachment together on the stage, and uh, my congressman he is how well <laughs> the People's Republic of Montgomery County, Maryland. <laughs> I like Jamie personally, and I love I love uh, razzing him, and I, I did last night publicly. But why didn't you invite us to that? Well, that Anna, Tanner, did you get, Tanner, did you get an invite? I got some of the talking points yesterday morning as a sounding board, but I did not get the invite. Uh, oh, interesting. I, I, I would have been paid tuition at GW. Maybe that it's was. A, yeah, well, I have, and I still didn't get there an you invite. Go. <laughs> well, you know, next time, next time there's a public event like that, I'll make sure you get an invitation yeah. from a public entity or source to make sure you're there. And then you wouldn't have shown up anyway. Um, but, <laughs> but, but I did say, Fair. I do believe the fact that, Democrats impeached President Trump again post January 6th is the reason why many people then felt it was a political issue and chose the red side or the blue side. And I believe if he would have just been ignored on the impeachment process, he'd have a lot less influence in the Republican Party right now. And I may have told the Speaker of the House at the time the, that exact same thing when we reconvened uh, on January 6th to finish our job. See, it's interesting, though, because I think the reason that President why President Trump got impeached the first time around was actually the reason why we're seeing Biden get impeached now. I think if it was just an impeachment after January 6th with the the visceral visuals that that we saw and that members and staff reported on from from being there, I'm not quite sure it would have it would have been too much of an issue to to try to impeach him after January 6th. I think the collection of maybes and what ifs 
that constituted President Trump's first impeachment articles really are the ones that, that are leading to the maybes and what ifs that are leading to President Biden's impeachment effort that the House is, is working on, continues to work on, even though their case keeps getting degraded, it seems, on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. But, but you know, it's, it's interesting because I think, you know, as we talked about yesterday, Rodney, you know, the bar has been lowered dramatically for what constitutes high crimes and misdemeanors and also what constitutes yep. evidence uh, of those alleged high crimes and misdemeanors. Um, and, you know, you can take that all the way back to, to Monica Lewinsky, but at least the entire nation knew that Bill Clinton lied to Congress. I mean, there was there was no question about that. You could question whether or not you thought the underlying action was was worthy of a high crime and misdemeanor, but uh, but there was no doubt about the fact that he lied. You know, we don't have, they didn't have much of any you know, basis for the Trump impeachment and Republicans certainly don't have much of any basement for the Biden impeachment. And it's just becoming a political exercise uh, that you're sort of guaranteed every four years uh, to have some sort of impeachment effort. We used to have investigations. There has been absolutely no lack of investigations of presidents for years and years, decades and decades. I mean, you could say that, uh, you know, Reagan should have been uh, impeached for Iran-Contra. Democrats controlled the Congress at the time. Why didn't they try to impeach him? Um, you could say that, you know, I mean, at, pick a president since since the 1950s, and there's there's at least one reason to try to impeach them, but it hasn't happened uh, yeah. until we got to now. Yeah, but I agree. I mean, I like the distinction you drew, Towner, because to me, Rodney, the reason you had to evacuate the chamber on January 6th was Donald Trump. Silence. Uh, no, we, we evacuated the chamber because you had a bunch of idiots who committed crimes that should be held accountable. Um, but I, I'm not spurred one of these on that, by the president of the United States. By somebody who had to dodge bullets on a baseball field because of rhetoric that inspired him to want to change the balance of power in the House in 2017 because we had the audacity to try and fix a broken healthcare system. I mean, forgive me. I, I just don't I don't put as much credibility in in inspirational words because I think it's 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 actions that matter. And those who commit the crimes matter. Those those who are inspired to riot and those who are inspired to violence need to be held accountable personally. Um, we can. What happens when you start talking about uh, who inspired them? Um, you can usually politically rationalize um, what the you politically rationalize what did that, who did that, and in the end, uh, I can give you plenty of examples where that has happened. And unfortunately, that's no excuse for the actions of adults who decide to go and beat up my friends in the Capitol Police. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. But the funny thing is not funny. It's not funny at all. The interesting thing is Trump wanted to be there and he wasn't allowed by the Secret Service to be there. And if the Secret Service had capitulated, Trump would be right at the front of that crowd. If he was right at the front of that crowd, then there would be a different story. Uh, but he wasn't, and we don't know if that is accurate. And and now here we are, and he's going well, to be the the Republican nominee in twenty twenty four. And if the election were held today, he would be reelected and sworn in once again. This time without me sitting on the dais of that inauguration day. He he's also going to go on trial for January sixth, and 
a jury will decide whether he's whether he's liable or not. But impeachment is a political process, not a judicial process. And it seems to me the standard is different and it's fair to impeach him, not just fair, but necessary. I mean, you can't let that kind of conduct, even if even if I accept your premise that he's not responsible for the knuckleheads and criminals that made you evacuate the chamber on the 6th, from a political point of view, I mean, there's no doubt he's connected to it and inspired it. Well, you, and you, you yeah. can, you can agree. You can, I, I don't disagree that it is a political exercise. However, actions have consequences and the action of that second yeah. impeachment. Um, I believe the ultimate consequence was it gave Donald Trump survivability because there's nobody that plays the victim better than him. And that impeachment, that second impeachment, uh, it, it does play a role in the prosecutions because there is Trump prosecution fatigue and, Amer- and the American people yeah, are like, no doubt about eh, that. here we go. And then, it, and then what really what really burns me about what's happening in DOJ right now, you know, the her report comes out and says, well, you can't prosecute Joe Biden because no jury's going to convict him. Isn't that a prosecutor's job? Uh, but if it was Donald Trump or any Republican and many people who support him believe that it would, there would be much different story if there was somebody else besides President Biden who did something wrong here. See, but both of those can be true, Rodney. Like, for example, I agree with you on the Heard report. I think you can't just not prosecute somebody because you say they they're not competent, essentially, because of their age to stand trial. That's ridiculous. That's number one. Number uh, then, two, then Howard's got that complete immunity that Trump yeah. says he has. But, but number two, Trump doesn't get a free pass for January 6th. I mean, he it'd doesn't. be like us saying it'd be like us saying, oh, well, Osama bin Laden wasn't on one of the planes on 9-11. He didn't right. actually commit it. He wasn't thought. actually there in New York or at the Pentagon. So how could he possibly how could his rhetoric possibly be responsible for inspiring those folks to fly the planes and kill all those people? That's a ridiculous statement to say that Trump is in no way connected to January 6th. It's crazy to say that. Nobody's saying that Trump is, is not connected to January 6th. The fact of the matter is you can't compare a guy who strategically planned to kill Americans on airplanes when there is there is no evidence that Donald Trump sat there and created battle plans for people to attack the Capitol. Come on, it was a time in America. You you cannot compare, you cannot compare somebody saying, go fight for me as your president to Osama bin Laden. And and look, I'm not the guy to stand up for Donald Trump because personally, I think he's a jackass. But to compare Osama bin Laden to Trump on this just no, shows you guys, you guys are completely out of line there. I don't, I don't know where the difference is, to be quite frank. I certainly know what Donald Trump and his cronies attacked our American institutions the same way that that the terrorists on 9-11 did, quite frankly. When Donald Trump wins the election again and the left wing nut jobs attack the Capitol, then I would expect the exact same. I would expect the exact same thing. Absolutely. Same debate to happen. But it 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 still doesn't happen. When left wing mobs attack the White House, when left wing mobs continue to injure our cops at at federal courthouses in places like crap holes like Portland now, 
I mean, I'm this totally is a problem you. where most Americans look and think there's two tiers of perception when it comes to justice and accountability. I'm totally oh. with you on that. Totally with you on that. There shouldn't there's, be two tiers. And the fact that there is a perception is a problem in and of itself. And I agree that sometimes there's a perception of that. Well, that's I, why I Trump that's why Trump exists in the first place. Is that perception yeah, of absolutely there being absolutely. two tiers, notwithstanding the fact that it's a joke that he's a representative of the underappreciated and downtrodden. The, the only reason he exists as a political figure is because people feel like that. Yes. Yeah. And I, I go back to my and, and assertion. Legit. He's it's got legit. oxygen. He's got oxygen because he was allowed to play the victim again because of many, many circumstances, including the second impeachment. Well, yeah, but he's, he's you got to draw the line somewhere, Rodney. And we will. It's called and, an election. He's also super good at playing the victim. I mean, that's like his MO yes. for the last like 40 years. I mean, you know, regardless of White House, it doesn't matter. He's always he's always the victim. Yes. That's why the second impeachment allowed him to to waller in the, the pool of familiarity with the American public. Whatever keeps his uh, face on TV screens and buying computer screens TV. is. Yeah. I mean, golden sneakers, that's the best. Yesterday, he was down on the border. What size shoe you wear? 12. He was down on the border talking about, and we don't have time to get into this today, but talking about the people coming with foreign languages, speaking foreign languages that are so foreign, nobody in the country even speaks them. He just says stuff to keep himself in the news and it thought like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Unbelievable. He does. Well, unbelievable. This podcast went totally off the rails. <laughs> Tanner, I, I don't think it did. I think it was very interesting. I think hearing the thing is we know Rodney's actually, you actually did what I, I know Tanner, you and I think is the right thing. Well, so like I wouldn't assume that either. I wouldn't assume that either. I, you and I, the, the you and I part, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily have a beef with, you know, Rodney and I have talked about this a lot too. I don't necessarily have a beef with, uh, with challenging certification of, of state ballots. I don't because it's legal. It is a legal process. Unlike the insurrection on January 6th that happened outside and then spilled inside the Capitol, which was highly illegal. Uh, the process that played out in the House of Representatives was a highly legal process and was allowed for under the rule. You know, everybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm a rules dork. And, you know, it was allowed for under the rules. You could say it was bad form in the political climate of that moment, but nobody can tell me that a member of Congress committed any form of insurrection by casting a ballot pro or con a a challenge on a on a state electoral slate. Uh, on the floor of that house. That was a very legal and democratic process that plays out every four years. But I do think, Mm. uh, you know, what happened on the house floor was in bad form, was bad comms, was bad, you know, a bad image given what happened on January 6th. But it certainly does not make any member of Congress who cast a ballot against the state slate an insurrectionist, in my opinion, they could be no. for what they did earlier that day, but not for what they did in that chamber that night. They were just operating on the basis of 
lies and facts that didn't exist. It's I mean, similar to other election it's, it's certification challenges in the past. Sounds like a Tuesday in Congress. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 04, Ohio, Democrats tried to de decertify George W. Bush's results. January of 2017, I watched your congressman, Jamie Raskin, and others like Jim McGovern challenge states' electoral results, Alabama, Florida, yeah. for Trump. And this is not a new process. Yeah. I agree with I agree with Towner bin Laden there. <laughs> Again, oh, I don't think that we're really going there. off the rails. I'm just, I'm all over the place today. I apologize. I, today, today. This, just in this moment. Just in this no, moment. No, I think this has been really, I mean, we veered into January 6th, which wasn't intended, but as always, we go where the conversation takes us. And I think it was really interesting to hear your inside baseball from, from that day, Rodney. We've never done that. And look, I think the country has to continue to reflect on what went on. And well, I think there's everything right with discussing this. Like we have to process this as a country. We have to deal with it. We have to grapple with what took us from where we have been historically to where we are today in order to continue to you know, do things, find the right, find the right place, which is damn challenging. Um, and I think we're really struggling. Yeah, you're right. It is. And look, I, I I will go to my grave with the conversations that I had with many that day, including the, the upper echelon of leadership, because I don't think it's my my duty to to talk about our personal conversations and and what we all witnessed that day. I mean, I remember standing in the sergeant in arms office watching the 20 screens that they have and seeing uh, my my friends being attacked. I'm with Towner. I, I thought for sure shots would be fired sooner. And and in the end, when one shot was fired, that pretty much ended what happened that day. I just wish, I just wish that the security apparatus had taken seriously the now known threats that mm -hmm. were were within their possession, and they didn't do that. And mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you guys, post twenty twenty four, and even I'm very concerned about security at the conventions. I'm very very concerned that that both parties are not taking it seriously. If we see disarray like this in January of 2025, I am just not convinced that the apparatus has fixed some of the institutional problems that the world witnessed that could have been addressed before January 6th last time. Yeah. Well, what is, what is certain is that January 6th, 2021 was an inflection point. The fact that, you know, three years and two months later, we're still having a very visceral conversation about that day. Uh, it was it was an inflection point in our history. And I don't remember what happened January 5th, 2021 or or January 7th. But uh, I sure as heck remember what happened January 6th, 2021. And it affects my political opinions going forward. I think it affects you know, a great number of, of Americans who will be voting uh, again in November uh, in various ways and in, in sometimes completely yeah, all different ways. It does. And and well, those decisions matter, guys. Look, Republicans and Democrats don't practice baseball right now without a plethora of Capitol Police there. And if somebody tried to recreate what uh, we witnessed in 2017, there'd be a much different outcome. Preparation matters. And that's something that I hope we've all learned and the world will never witness what we all went through ever again. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, on that note, thanks everybody. And we will be back next week. 
See you guys. You've been listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing Podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.